welcome to the Making Midlife Matter podcast. I'm Peggy Hames. I'm a minister, writer, and a coach for women in midlife. And you can find out more about me at heartcallings.com. During the season of Advent on this podcast, we're doing a four-part series on what scares you. Last week, we looked at the fear of being too much. This week, we're looking at the flip side of that fear, which is the fear of not being enough. Now, sometimes that's framed in terms of not being good enough. But you know what? Sometimes it's just this feeling of who I am isn't enough. And this is one of the fears that really clamps us down. You know, last week I talked about being in a, in a really little box. This is one of those fears that, that keeps us in that little box and that, that keeps us from really growing into and, and blossoming as the people that God created us to be. So let's take a few minutes and unpack this thing. So if you're like me, you may have had the dream of showing up for class and realizing you had final exams and this was like your first time in the class. I remember one of those dreams really vividly. It was like I I couldn't find the classroom and I was looking and looking and I, I finally got there and I walked in and it was a math class, which was like my demon in high school. Oh, I I was, well, I wasn't good in geometry. I kind of enjoyed algebra, not good in geometry, but I was too sloppy in both of them to do really well. So anyway, I'm dreaming that I finally find the classroom and I realize that it's the final exam day and I haven't even been in class, much less studied for it. Now, part of what feeds that that dream is that fear of, of not being enough. We are not prepared. We are not ready for what's coming. Now, I've been giving this some thought this week. And actually, it's been a, a really rich time for me to, to think through this. And I really believe that this fear is is fueled by three different beliefs, and there are false beliefs, but they are pretty persistent and common beliefs. Now, the first one is, is that being enough means we have to be completely self-sufficient. We can't get help. If we have to ask for help, then we're doing it wrong. Now, if you haven't guessed by my voice yet, by my accent... Uh, I live in the southern United States, and um, a couple of days ago, we got what is for us a ginormous snow. Um, On Sunday, where I live, it snowed like 14 and a half inches, which is actually almost twice as much snow as we normally get in a year. So those of you who live in snowy climes, just go ahead and roll your eyes now. I understand. Anyway, I, I got to work yesterday. And I came home and, you know, my driveway still, I've got a steep driveway and it was still covered in snow and the snow was starting to get slushy. 
So it was that wet, slushy snow, and I, I turned the corner. I tried to get up my driveway. I couldn't. Uh, you know, my car was spinning and sliding, and and I, I got it, like, barely out of the road. But it's like there was just enough room for a car to pass in between the, the cars parked on the street on the other side and my car. And if they started to slide, it wouldn't be good. So I didn't even change clothes. I, I got out of the car, and fortunately I'd worn my snow boots to work. Went up the hill, got my uh, snow shovel, and came back and, and started shoveling my car out. And I, I figured I would just shovel enough to get my car really safely out of the street. Well, I've got this great family who lives across from me, and the, the little boy in the family always wants to help me with something. Like this fall, he, without even me knowing it, he was like picking up sticks out of my yard. I think he is sowing the seeds for a future landscaping business, which would be fine by me. So anyway, he shows up with his snow shovel. Peggy, can I help you? Yes, we need to get this shoveled out. So he starts shoveling, and then his dad shows up. He says, here, here, let me take your shovel. You rest for a minute. And he starts shoveling my driveway. Then the guy who lives next door to him walks up. Hey, can I help you? Yes, we need to get this out. So long story short, these three guys shovel out, shovel uh, up tracks all the way up my driveway. And, you know, still pretty slick, and they were kind of holding their breath, but I made it. I mean, I, I pulled right on up into my carport. So for me, that was just a great demonstration of it's okay to accept help. It's okay to need help. Now, if I'd been really stubborn and rude about it, I could have shoveled that driveway all by myself. I have, Lord knows I have done it before. But I didn't need to do that. It was okay to ask for help. And over and over again, I see people shaming themselves because they don't know how to do something that they've never done before. Or they get stuck somewhere and they need a little bit of help. And we wind up just like beating our heads against the wall over and over again and getting more and more frustrated instead of just saying, hey, I need some help here. Does does anybody know how to do this? You know, we, we grow up, we, we get this faulty belief that being an adult knows how, it means knowing how to do everything. And it doesn't, that's impossible. We all need help with something. So part of what feeds this fear of not being enough is that if we stop and ask for help, other people will know that we are not all-knowing, that we don't know how to do everything. And, and sometimes other people join in the shaming. Like, what do you mean you don't know how to do that? Gosh, I've been doing that for years. Well, God bless you. <laughs> if you've been doing it for years, then you could show me how to do it. You know, part of the richness of living together in community, whether it's a neighborhood or a church, or a workplace, or whatever is, we all have something to bring to the table. And none of us has to bring everything to the table. So that's belief number one. 
Belief number two is kind of similar, and that is we have to be perfect. That there is something wrong with us if we do get something wrong. If we make a mistake, that's the end of the world. You know, there is an incredible shaming that goes on inside our heads. At least it's gone on inside my head. You know, when we make a mistake, I bet for a lot of you and, and myself included, if uh, if I asked, can you tell me about a time you screwed up, a time when you really made a mistake, then bam, we would be on it. If I asked you, tell me about a time that you really triumphed. You really succeeded past your wildest dreams. Tell me about a time when you were so daggone good at it. For a lot of us, that's going to be harder. And once again, like we talked about in the last podcast, there's this spiritual message that you shouldn't brag on yourself, which gets translated into you shouldn't own your gifts. Well, the flip side of that is, and this is a crazy thing, and it makes no logical sense, but it's how it works in our heads sometimes, that whatever gifts we do have, we should be perfect with them. Uh, there's Brene Brown has a really wonderful book called Gifts of Imperfection, and I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, if you are not familiar with this book, and if you struggle at all with this need to be perfect, I highly recommend it. it. It's not a very thick book. It's very readable, but it's very, very good. You know, this this need to be perfect really kept me in a trap for a long time. Now, my father was an artist. That was his training that's his career was in advertising, but he got into advertising by being an artist. And so he had a studio in our basement and you know, I grew up watching him paint. Well, part of the legacy of him being an artist is that any kind of art endeavor or inclination I had was really encouraged. You know, they gave me a set of acrylics, um, always had paper to draw on, crayons, whatever. It was really encouraged. So in junior high, I took this art class, and uh, we were painting. And uh, I finally had to take my painting home to work on it over the weekend because, as my um, art teacher so rudely pointed out, that I could not paint the sky and the fluffy clouds in the sky for the whole semester. It was like I had to fill in the rest of the landscape. So I brought it home to work on it, and I sat in my dad's studio, and I looked at my painting, and then I looked at the painting my dad was working on. Now, my dad was a grown adult. He had trained at the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. He was an artist, and I was in seventh grade. But I looked at that and I made this snap decision that I was never going to be as good as he was. I was never going to measure up to his paintings. My paintings would never measure up. 
I'd never be the artist that he was. And so what was the point of painting? And I literally, after that semester was over with, I packed up my paint set. (coughs) Excuse me. And I did not paint again for years. And I got to be an adult. And at the mall in my town, there was an art supply store. This was really back in the day of malls and art supply stores. And every time I passed by it, I got this like yearning and longing to go in. But I kept shaming myself. It's like, no, 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 you're not an artist. You can't paint. And you're just feeling nostalgia because that's what you grew up with. That's what you associate with your dad. You have such warm memories of that. Finally, one day, I thought, you know, it doesn't matter. And I got the canvas, and I got the paint, and I got the brushes, and I got the little portable easel. And I came home, and I started painting. And I realized it didn't matter. You know, I signed up for an art class at the community college, but it didn't matter if my paintings were the worst in the class because the act of painting brings me great joy. It's like a form of meditation for me. My fear of not being enough, not being enough of an artist, really kept me from the fullness of joy in my life. For a very long time, it kept me from something that I just really enjoy doing. So one of the things we have to be clear about is that what enough looks like can change depending on our situation. You know, enough is a moving target. There are are sometimes in which I have my, my clients will come in and they will really be beating themselves up because they haven't done this or they haven't done that. And I know what's going on in their lives. You know, I know they are looking after special needs kids or they are, or, or they've got like three preschoolers at home or they're caring for aging parents or a parent who is sick or whatever. You know, I know what they've got going on. And I have to tell them, look, you you got out of bed, you got dressed, you showed up here. That's enough. Today, that's enough. You know, grief is like that. We beat ourselves up because we are not doing everything we normally would do when we're not grieving. When the, the reality is, is that sometimes in the midst of grief, just getting through the day, that's enough. You got through today and you weren't at all sure that you could. So that's enough. So here's the third part of our um, fear of not being enough. And that's the fear of letting go of the fear. <laughs> Excuse me. What that fear is, is that 
if we let go of this fear of enough and of not being enough and just let ourselves go on out there and try and do things and, and put ourselves out there and go after the things we want to go after and to, to seek out those things that we think maybe have our name on them and to listen to those nudges where we think God may be nudging us to, to go in this direction or that. We don't have any excuses for not trying. And you know, as I said earlier, if, if we try, we might fail. But here's the scarier prospect sometimes. If we try, we might succeed. And succeeding might just blow apart all of these other constructs that we have about who we are and what our place is in the world. And um, as I said last podcast, other people may not know what to do with us. We may not know what to do with us because we start rewriting the story of our lives. There's a fear of failure, but there's an equally powerful fear of success. For me, this always comes back around to these these spiritual questions. Do we really trust in grace? You know, grace says you don't have to be perfect. You are going to be loved no matter what. I used to staff workshops with my my dear friend, Shannon Steck. And in our workshop, she would do this teaching about the, the five birthrights of children. You know, these are the things we come into this world deserving. And one of the ones I always remember is that she talked about being perfectly imperfect. You know, we don't expect babies to be perfect. We don't expect toddlers to be perfect. We expect children to fall down when they start walking. You know, and the kid starts walking and they they fall on their backside. We don't pick them up and say, okay, you're just, you're, you're never going to be enough for walking. You just don't have what it takes to walk. No, we pick them up. We give them a little hug and we encourage them to try again. We all deserve that same grace. This, the, the spiritual aspect is also, the, the spiritual challenge is believing and trusting that God created us. And that God created us to be enough, maybe not on our own, maybe enough in terms of a village or a community or a family of faith or even enough with God's help. You know, we, we get on the scale for enough and we don't realize God has always got God's finger on that scale is tipping the balance that, yeah, you're enough. You got this. So today I invite you that 
no matter what kind of day you're having, whether you are succeeding brilliantly, whether you can't get anything done for the life of you, whether you have just screwed it up, I invite you to remember that you are enough. You are loved. You are held in grace. You are the beloved child of God. And that is enough. When the angel came to the shepherds, the angel said, Y'all don't have to be so scared. And we don't have to be so scared of not being enough. Because that one's already covered. We've already got this. So go live. Go, go be your own full self. Thanks for joining me today. We will continue with this series. We've got two more on what scares you. If you have something you'd like for me to address, if there's a fear that you're holding on to, let me know. You can go to my Peggy Hames author page on Facebook, or you can email me, peggy at peggyhames.com. Let me know. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know what you fear. I invite you to join me at heartcallings.com. You can find my blog there. In the meantime, until next time, take care. Take care.